This is Suno India Production. You can now listen to all our episodes on our Android and iPhone app. Download it now. After being severely bullied online, Pranshu, a 16-year-old queer child, died of suicide on November 21st. The school-going child was a self-taught makeup artist with nearly 17,000 followers on Instagram. Pranshu was bullied online following their reel in a sari, which went viral during Diwali. Reports say that this post received more than 4,000 comments, most of which were homophobic in nature. Last year, another class 10 student, R.V. Malhotra, died of suicide. His mother, Arti Malhotra, had alleged that R.V. was bullied mercilessly in school on account of his sexuality and his school authorities were not responsive to their complaints and failed to protect him. For those who are experiencing online bullying, the Instagram handle YesWeExist has been giving useful information on how queer persons and content creators can protect themselves. Hello, this is Menaka Rao for this episode of the Suno India Show. In this episode, we try to understand how online bullying can affect queer children. Whistleblowers of Meta have alleged that Meta knew its products were harming children, particularly young girls, but did not do enough to protect them. In October, many US states filed a lawsuit arguing that Meta had contributed to a youth mental health crisis. What is missing here are discussions on queer children. I speak with Rohin Butt, a queer rights lawyer and activist and a bioethicist. He recently wrote about his experience of being bullied in school. He speaks to me about the complexities of creating a safe space for queer children online. So hi Rohin, uh, welcome to this podcast. Uh, so as you know, we are talking about uh, you know bullying uh, in the queer community. So uh, and you know Pranshu's death. Um, so we already know that you know queer persons you know face bullying and sexual harassment both online and offline and you know i would encourage you to talk about it a little bit if you feel you know comfortable about it but you know in this particular podcast i also want to discuss what are the challenges that minors face online i think since we've since social media has kind of penetrated our lives uh bullying has become much more vicious it's become much more vehement it's become quite uh ruthless so to speak and i think part of it is the anonymity that social media provides you right you don't have to create uh, a profile in your name you don't have to have a profile picture and so that kind of uh has made it more um has made it worse now what we saw with pranshu was that they did not even leave him after his death right uh, even after his death there are thousands of new comments that have been talking about how good it is that he died so, so you do leave a imprint in the social media after your death and uh, i thank you know some of some part of me is thankful that he is not alive to see the hate that is still going on uh, but his parents have to his mother especially has to kind of still live with that hate right so even after um your death you're not left alone uh there are no support systems officially in place uh mental health care remains a distant dream uh which is that which is affordable and more so that which is also queer affirmative so i think 
when queer people are online and it's not just minors so of course the problem is much more severe when the person is a minor but what we have seen is that there's a heightened level of bullying there's heightened level of you know discrimination that um is already there but under the garb of anonymity i think it 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 gets aggravated i was also curious that whether you whether there's any legal recourse to a case like uh, franch because you know i don't know uh, abetment to suicide kare to bhi matlab who do you sort of who do you see that's the whole that's we are back at square one right the the the, the problem with this debate is that you know you feel like you walked 100 steps back and then you walk 100 you push back 100 steps how do you frame accountability right let's say you put in you know the you say complaint for cyber bullying or in under the it act or you put uh, a complaint for uh under say uh, uh under abetment to suicide but that kind of ignores a very important life lived reality of pranchu that pranchu was queer and we don't have an anti discrimination law of course you know there is there is the trans act but the punishments under it are horribly low right i think even if you compare assault of a trans woman to a cis woman you know i think it's two years under the trans act so our penal laws are also they will have to evolve if these are kids do we want to push them into the criminal justice system uh of course if they are adults then i think i have no second thoughts that there should be criminal prosecution that should be taken to its logical end but if they are kids then what do you do then you know is there a right answer no i think and how do you deal with uh children in conflict with law uh so you know who's the contact person is that parents is it the school we've seen parents failing we've seen schools failing uh should there be a third party you know a third platform where you can report it now let's for the sake assume that you know uh ministry of social justice is empowered to deal with it half of those government helplines don't work right so it's there is duty but those duty is not logically followed it to its end so we have a lot of discussions about social media and you know hate speech uh, in the context of you know when it comes to religious issues or any you know like different issues right but we don't really talk so much about children uh, the minors so you know whether it's queer or otherwise you know and as we know that you know research has shown that you know particularly teenage girls it really affects you know research abroad of course not here and i mean as i was as i also you know said that you know there's a lot of data on bullying girls and you know we don't really have data on say other constituents you know like other kinds of minors right so is someone like pranchu and you know so what kind of first of all what kind of data do we need in this particular you know what kind of data do we need one and secondly uh, why do you think that you know uh, we are not talking about children at all like you know which is such a big issue abroad look at the nature and the extent of the problem it's fair to say that you know girls are getting harassed online how much of it is coming from men how much of it is coming from boys how much of it is coming from girls um 
those are important questions that we need to answer any solution that we propose or any solution that is proposed especially when it's legal cannot be done unless we have solid data in front of us um, you know that has been reviewed and re-reviewed because we don't know the nature of the monster yet we know there's a monster we know there's a bogeyman uh we know what we know what the bogeyman's eyes look like we know what its hands look like but we don't have the full picture yet so any solution that we try to look for has to first involve collecting of data now how do we collect data there are groups that have been cracking bullying there are the groups which have been you know advocacy groups of children of queer people of trans people who've been doing it uh second thing i think is also parental control right uh every there's no doubt that every child must be protected from not just abuse but also from violence and exploitation that happen on the internet uh but we've also in a post pandemic world you know we've realized that whether we like it or not social media is one of the realities of our times and that you can parents can only do so much to keep the children away from it uh the right to internet for example has been held to be a fundamental right right so there is cyberbullying there is peer to peer violence that affects children in the long term when they access social media uh but i think far more important i think is that it's this problem is not just india centric uh person being bullied in india could be sitting in germany could be sitting in mauritius could be sitting anywhere around the globe um we've had cases where child sex abuse have been, has been live streamed uh you know how do you see kind of accountability for that these are problems which perhaps our traditional criminal justice system does not have the tools to deal with uh what we need is is a new problem that calls for experts who are not just experts in uh legal in the legal field but also experts on internet experts on sexual abuse experts on bullying experts on homophobia all of them need to come up with the government with the tech companies and it's only with these advocacy groups coming together that we will be able to come up with an acceptable set of safety norms on that platforms right so um, yeah as i was saying that a lot of the ideas are coming from the west right related to this particular aspect of uh, related to this particular aspect you know related kids safety basically so uh, so as in the us you know there is a move to you know have a kids online safety bill but you know lgbtqi communities have written to the congress senate members in the us that the content that queer people put up online to build community could also be seen as or targeted as harmful so this is not this is not even a discussion in our country but uh, you know i don't know if we will ever move there but you know but you know how do we sort of balance the harms and benefits because uh, as you said i mean you i think you have been quite wary of the state so if the state comes in you know this this kind of mindset can creep in so uh, how do we sort of uh, 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 just in that context like how do we sort of frame this well let me say let me say this right i am wary of the state but i am more wary of 
private corporations having so much control over free speech number 1 uh, number 2 if you are to put this control in the hands of social media companies for example and let me just talk about india here in absence of a data protection bill what do those companies do with the, that data what is to stop those companies from collecting data that is collected and the privacy policy that runs into 200 pages uh, how do you regulate you know what data those company the company collects how does what happens to that data can the company commercialize it this was also one of the issues that was raised in the us that is number 1 especially when it's data of children right you are what what is the way of ascertaining your identity today as or your age today it has to be your passport it has to be your aadhar card or any government issued documents now do we want to put them in the hands of private players um that's a question i think the answer to that is going to be unanimously no especially in india where there is not a data protection bill the second thing i think is whether in india where we have a government that is also homophobic and has blocked content in the past right and the one of those cases that comes to my mind is oner's movie on a, a gay couple in the armed forces the ministry of defense refused to give permission to create that movie right so what content gets created online is not just if the government wants to put fretters on it tomorrow the government can say that no queer content will be placed online right we are already in a at a point where the government has put forth a moral code in the form of a digital broadcasting bill right so what is moral what is immoral there are no right answers or wrong answers to that especially when you're doing something dealing with a country as diverse as india is but look there are fundamental issues that everybody will agree on that there is a duty of care of both the platforms as well as the government towards children and that you need to hold media platforms accountable for the harms they've caused the disagreement comes as to how do you redress that harm and how do you pin accountability for that harm is the media platform as responsible as the person who is posting that comment right a second issue is whether uh how much of you know content can the media create so for example there are hundreds of thousands of tweets that are being put out every second even with ai and even assuming you know now for example i let me put this right the word faggot f a g g o t is something that for twitter or x as it now is is a banned word if you use it it violates community guidelines so now what people have started doing in my dms in on my comments is that instead of a they'll put at the red sign instead of o they'll put a zero so how do you train your ai to deal with that right so for or for example another comment that i distinctly remember is somebody calling me a hijra quote and quote and then it was h for i they used an exclamation mark j again for d they used a single line followed by an inverted c and then a so you know there are thousands of permutations and combinations that can be used to kind of get around those algorithms so it's going to be impossible to uh, protect children from all harms right 
Now, of course, there have been criticisms that child safety laws are themselves harmful to kids because no matter what the law is, there is a central tension that exists there, is that companies need to identify who are these kids. Now, we've seen in cases of child sexual abuse where you have adults masquerading as kids. Uh, and so to do that, you are going there, you're going to need those companies to track your gender, your age, your identity, right? So let's talk about, say, a non-binary kid who's say, 15 years old and is not out to the parents yet. Uh, if he puts a marker out there, he owes a duty to the, he has to come out to the social media platform before he's made peace with himself, right? So if how do we deal with that? It's, it's, it's a very complex problem and, you know, it's like a potential hydra where every time you chop off one head, two more come in its place. Our best bet is to, you know, uh, is to hope that parents exercise their wisdom in the kind of content that the kids um, take. But I'd say even that is rife with its own problems because often not all parents are as accepting as uh, Branchu's mother is. I think she has come out with his support in a very strong way after his death. And I'm assuming even prior to his death, uh, where she was a single mother raising a child, uh, same is the kid with case with Arvi's mother, right? Where she was very open with him prior to his death. And but not all kids are blessed with accepting parents. So sometimes social media also becomes this safe space where you have um, you know, you are able to create a community of friends. Uh, I have no qualms in saying that I was on dating apps before I was 18. Uh, and Luckily, I found a set of friends who gave me that safe space. Where do you go as a queer kid, um, you know, when you're 15 or 16? Uh, and you remember when I was 15 or 16, we were still, uh, homosexuality was not decriminalized. So there was an added layer of that persecution that was in place. Uh, social media then, under the garb of anonymity, having a Tinder profile and a grinder profile with no name, no face, Give me a community of friends that I cherish to this day. You know, they are some of my closest friends. They are people who've helped me in so many ways in coming out of the closet. So you don't want to take that access away from the kids as well. Because coming out is a whole different problem, right? Uh, things are, of course, much better post-2018. But they're, not, they're far from perfect and they will be far from perfect always. So in that case, you also don't want to uh, take away the access of kids from these platforms. So how do you deal with that? I think the answer is that there's no right answer. Now, Facebook has had large language models, right? Like Llama, uh, which is competing with ChatGPT. Google has its own AI. Is to train perhaps those models to recognize hate speech and recognize how hate speech manifests itself online. Because if, say, one troll farm is given one tweet to copy-paste under a post and say it spells a certain word with certain characters, is to train your models to recognize this. And, well, you won't. this will only be an ex post facto remedy, right? Only after it's happened once will you be able to block it for, for future. 
So, you know, it's 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 extremely complicated and seldom is there a right answer to this. You don't want to take away access for kids because it's a safe space. At the same time, verifying that their kids puts their data at risk. Third problem, you know, is forcing the kid to come out on social media or to the platform, not on social media, but to the platform. So it's it's one of those things that where we don't have a right answer. Basically, I think when it comes to I think uh, uh, non-queer children, you know, people don't look at it look at the internet as a safe space really. But you know, it's a very different uh, uh, entity for queer children, and you know, you cannot take it away from them also. But, you know, how do you sort of protect them? That's what you're trying to say, right? I mean, how do we sort yes, of... Yes, precisely. I was also thinking when you were talking, you know, like, you know, having more queer coders and, you know, techies could could be sort of, uh, you know, like more people in the policy of boards of these these companies, you know, which are clearly, which are more, almost monopolies. So, you know, like if, if at least, uh, and, you know, obviously them to have a lot of decision-making power also. Uh, because you know, like uh, I mean, the, the straight guys will not know. Like it, they, it won't be in their sphere at all. Like you know, okay, ye ho you know, something is happening, even, you know. So that could probably, you know, something uh, that could be demanded uh, from the these companies, maybe. The idea is, you know, coming up with a zero tolerance policy for social media, right? And I think. It has to happen through not just removing illegal content or bullying content, uh, but also kind of letting it appear in the first place. That's number one. The second is we need to protect our children from accessing harmful and age-inappropriate content. Now, again, you know, you're right back there into culture walls on what is appropriate and inappropriate. Is gender reforming care appropriate for a six-year-old, right? So... That's there. The third is, you know, how do you get social media platforms to enforce age limit and age checking where, say, content that is age inappropriate is published? Uh, And then, you know, my best answer to this would be we need these companies to be more forthcoming with children about the kind of risks and dangers that are posed to children. You talked about meta-ignoring reports, right? Uh, and not just children, but also their parents, Uh, they need to have accessible ways to uh, report problems online when they do arise. Now, let's talk about Pranshu. One of the things that his mother said is that she was cognizant of the bullying that he was facing. Uh, She was cognizant of trolling that he was facing. And... What was, you know, what form of redress did they have apart from, according to her, they said, oh, we'd report and sometimes we'd laugh about it. But, you know, how do you do this? How do you kind of, you know, especially when kids are creating content online, right? And she's talked about how they were struggling for money and, you know, Pranshu would make some of his own money, say, make money for his own makeup through his brand collaborations for example so it, it's it's a it's a catch-22 situation or so to speak uh, but I think what we've also seen is that there has been no 
statement from the government number one right to signify absolute apathy uh there's been no media coverage right the national commission for protection of child rights the way it jumped around during the marriage equality hearings to oppose say gay people or queer people generally adopting children or the way it jumped when uh, creating of safe spaces in school the man- teacher training manual was put out by the ncert if the government is concerned about what the children are going through why is there silence now right and so therein lies the problem i think that the state is openly hostile to queer people and thereby there is no redressal and it it it's not about one government or the other um you know let's talk about what's happening in kerala there is this new group called yes society or something of that sort which has been openly bullying and threatening to kill queer people uh they were arrested kept in police custody for some time and then released when they were released they were garlanded in honor and finally queer rights group had to move the kerala high court and seek proper uh remedies so it's not about one party or the other party it's not about this country or that country it's a problem that we are seeing across the globe across the political spectrum where there is perhaps you know uh uh hesitation to act or even speak up on queer issues because they are deemed potentially contentious and as we move closer to the 2024 elections the silence is growing to grow more deafening parties don't want to do anything that jeopardizes their vote banks right so where what do we do then you know but take it on your chin and hope that more kids are empowered and have safer access to mental health services which are queer affirmative but let me say this the case for legislative action is overwhelming the government must step in at some point or the other uh you know queer kids cannot become casualties in culture war as we are seeing with pranshu uh but the law would want to give parents more control over what the kids see and do online and which is enough for some of us to kind of put our foot down and say no look the parents cannot do this because then you placing the kids in a similarly uh you know a similarly difficult situation where the kids are out of so there is massive clash between enabling parental supervision supervision and then cutting off virtual avenues for the kids what is the middle path is something i think is what we need to you know kind of speak more about in our public debates we need to speak more about uh you know have advocacy groups come together have you know because there's no way that you're going to be able to shield the kids from online abuse the way i see it uh so there are no right answers and i think you know if the past 30 minutes of our conversation has to end with something as uh well not miserable but as uh be fuddling as where we started off from what i can what i think the purpose of this conversation has been to point out what are the causes of concerns there are no right answers but 
there are a few absolute truths right the social media platforms need to be held accountable uh we know that the government has not acted uh across the spectrum right i don't think there's going to be any opposition to a law regulating content for kids but the potential of misuse or disuse of the law is something that we need to talk i think um as a final comment i think let me end with this and say that in every civilized society the state and the adults have a fundamental role and a fundamental duty to protect kids right uh that duty manifests in different ways in our constitution for example for example accessing the right to education right um and then during the pandemic for example to realize that right to education you had no option but to give your kid uh access to internet so you have no option but to give your kids an access and you have a no option but to protect your kids and we are failing that measure horribly we are failing it in an unprecedented way